Praise the Lord for that sweet time. And if you're watching and joining and worshiping with us online, we just want to honor you. Come on, let's just welcome our online family. Let them hear you. Leaning in this morning online. Thank you so much for joining us. It's, it's been so neat. You know, sometimes there might just be 10 people online. Sometimes there's 27 online. Sometimes there's three. But, li- but listen, you never know who that three is. Amen. I'm, I'm running across people all around the country that are like, no, I'm part of the three. <laughs> like, that's me. And I'm growing. And I'm leveling up. So praise God for those watching and leaning in online with us. Go ahead and join into the chat so we can do this together. And thank you so much for everybody who's in the room today. My name is Hayden Ratner. I'm the senior pastor here at Walk Church. Yeah. And from my wife Nina and I, man, we love this house. We love all that God is doing in your life and through your life, and so excited to celebrate some baptisms after this service, so please stick around, and let's do it together. Amen. We're in this series called Level Up. Level Up. up. If this is your first time here, just like Pastor Mike said, you are a guest of honor. We don't want you to stay a guest. We want you to move past that into friendship, into family, and we want to grow together as a family on mission, and we're leveling up together. We're leveling up together. What does level up mean? Let me go ahead and define it. We're several weeks into this series, so some of this is getting repetitive, and I'm so glad it is, all right? Here's what level up means. It means to go to a higher level or standard, right? As you go to a higher level, it's kind of like my my son Epaph's Mario game. Every time he goes to a new level, it gets a little bit harder, amen? I once heard it put, new levels, new devils, amen, right? As you're going to a higher level, you got to level up. All things got to level up in your life. It means to increase or improve something, to make a move in your life for the better. I want to encourage you today to to, to examine your life and say, what are the areas in my life that I can still improve upon, that I can still make moves in, that I can still go to a higher level in? I'm so grateful Pastor Mike honored my wife Nina and I, and we just celebrated the 10-year milestone in our marriage. So encouraged by that. And I'm excited, but can I just go ahead and tell you, I don't feel like I've arrived as a husband. I feel like I still got some leveling to do. I I don't ever want to feel like, yeah, well, looks like I'm done. I figured it out. No, not at all. There's still more levels to get better at. And praise God, there's grace for me to do that. There's grace for you to do that. Every day you wake up, God's given us another opportunity to make a difference, to know him, to discover our purpose, to find community. And so this is what we're in. We're leaning in to level up. And so I felt like if we're gonna really level up, that we need to level up in our language, our DNA, the things that make up who we are as a church. And so some of these messages have felt like a mixture of like a sermon from the word, a leadership message, a motivational talk, all in one. And prayerfully, the Lord's gonna take it all and and, and level us up in Jesus' name. If you're ready, say ready. Ready. If you're hungry, say let's eat. Let's see. Well, our mission statement here at Walk is very simple. It's freeing people to walk in Jesus. We have a clear mission statement. If somebody asked you, why does your church exist? Here's your answer. Well, we exist to free people to walk in Jesus. It's our way of saying we exist to make disciples of all nations. How do you define a disciple? I believe if you asked 100 different Christians on what a disciple is, you would probably get 100 different answers. At least on my journey, I've seen so many different ways to define what a disciple is. Here's how we define a disciple. Somebody who's been set free 
Let me just back up real quick. Somebody who's been set free by the gospel of Jesus, freeing people, and now is walking in Jesus. So we say it here like this. Freedom is good. Freedom with a purpose is better. Freedom is good. The fact that Jesus showed up at your spiritual prison. Because all of us are slaves to sin on our way to hell if we don't have Jesus show up in our prison and say, I'm unlocking this door. I died so you can be free. My blood has paid for your debt and I'm unleashing you into freedom. That's good, amen? Amen. What's even better is if you take him up on it. What's even better is if you say, I'm gonna step out of this cell. Freedom with the purpose, freeing people to now walk in Jesus. The same life Jesus lived then, he lives now through his church. So how do we define when somebody's been set free to walk in Jesus? Let's go there. We believe that's somebody who knows God personally, intimately, has a relationship with God. It doesn't say knows about God, amen? Amen. You could know all about God and still never know him, Right. right? Like I know a whole lot of unnecessary facts about Michael Jordan. Statistics, shoes, all types of stuff. Doesn't mean that I know him though, right? You can know all types of facts and stats about Jesus. But if you don't actually know him, you'll miss him, right? Jesus is not a historical figure in a history book. He's a very real and active and alive God right now that wants to know you. And you gotta know him. That's the first mark of a disciple. The second mark is that you find community. Don't let community find you, it might not. Be the initiator. Go find it. That's what Jesus does, right? As Jesus lives his life through you, he's gonna start touching people and connecting with people and building relationships with people through you. Find community. Discover purpose. Come on, God has made you on purpose for a purpose. God doesn't do things by accident. Let me remind you, you're not here today on accident. You didn't click on this live stream by accident. So don't click off right now because you're, God is like, yo, I'm about to show you something. God's an on-purpose God. You have a purpose for your life. That's to make a difference. It's wired in you. Last week I preached on this topic, make a difference. That all of us have this desire, this longing, this groaning in us to be a difference maker. To have something that lives beyond you. I, I saw this random Kobe Bryant clip on social media yesterday. It was just really quick, it just popped up on my feed and it says Kobe Bryant defines greatness. And Kobe says greatness is something that lives beyond you. Kobe said, if your greatness dies with you, it wasn't truly great. Greatness is when you made a difference and even when you're not here, you're still making a difference. I was like, man, he was preaching, right? We wanna encourage you to make a difference. So we believe a disciple is somebody who does four things. A disciple knows God, finds community, discovers purpose, makes a difference. Our strategy, right? I love strategy. I'm an athlete. I love getting in the huddle, drawing up plays. Here's the strategy for Walk Church. Helping people know God, find community, discover purpose, make a difference. Hopefully this language is starting to like consume you and you're like, all right, I got it. That's where I want you to be. Our mission is to free people to walk in Jesus. Our vision is what we see when our mission is realized. Does that make sense? If somebody said, hey, what do you wanna see, Hayden? I wanna see people know God. That's my vision. I wanna see people find community. I wanna see people discover their purpose. And I wanna see people start to make a difference. That's That's my vision. So we talked about mission, we talked about vision, 
The third component of our Level Up series, this is the last component of our Level Up series, is what we call our values. We have values here at Walk Church. We're leveling up in our mission, vision, and values. One more time, if you're ready, say ready. Ready. We're gonna go ahead and walk into a a, a mini-series within the series that I'm titling Level Up Your Values. I wanna encourage you here today, level up your values. Values are so key. I've been learning a lot about values, core values. Who we are as a person is often a reflection of what we value. Even maybe in this sermon, this might give you some things to ponder, some things to consider. What do I value? As a family, what do we value? As an individual, what do I value? As, as parents, what do we value? As kids, what do we, as an organization, as, as a business person, what do you value? Because your value is creating something. I'll give you a reality statement for my note takers in the room. Here's the reality statement. Values create culture. Values create culture. Values are important because the things that you value become the things that create the culture you live in. Culture is a key word as well. Culture is connected to what you value because our values are creating something. What are our values? Our values create the culture that we live in. Our church has a culture. Culture is key because culture is the thing that when you step on this campus, it's what you feel. Culture goes beyond words. Culture goes beyond what you do. Culture goes right into how you feel. Culture is everything. If you have a bad culture, you can have a great strategy, but it won't succeed. If you have a losing culture, you could have all types of different ideas, but you'll still lose because your culture won't allow it. If you have a winning culture, you can do all types of things because your culture has made room for it. I, I, I once read this quote by a leadership author named Peter Drucker. He says it like this, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Challenging thought. So, so listen to this. Just hear me on this real quick, church. And I'm just trying to set the tone on why values and culture is important. Let me pull back up our No God, Find Communities cover. This is our strategy, right? Like these right here, our mission realized, our strategy to see our mission realized. So No God, Find Communities cover purpose, make it these things won't happen unless we have a culture that, that, that allows for these things to be lived out. Does it make sense? If we don't have a culture in place that wants to know God, nobody will know God. If we don't have a friendly culture where people are thinking about community, inviting people to church, inviting people to groups, this will just be words on a screen. If you don't have a culture where people are discovering their purpose, trying new, if our, if our culture at Walk Church is that the, the staff does everything, you can say discover purpose, but nobody will. If, if our culture here is we go to church on the weekend but never do anything about it, you could say, we love making a difference. It'll just be words on the screen. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. If you don't have a culture that makes room for your strategy to work, It'll just be a strategy. And so what I wanna talk about is the values that create the culture. Does that make sense? Let me go ahead and talk to you about it like this. Let me give you a definition for culture from the Cambridge Dictionary. We'll put it up here on the screen. Cambridge defines culture as the way of life of a particular people. That's us here, church. 
We're the particular people. This is the way of life, especially as shown in their ordinary behavior and habits. Your, your behavior, your habits create a culture. Does that make sense? Start to think about the things that you do, the behaviors you have, the habits you carry. That'll create the culture that you live in. Their attitudes toward each other create culture. Their moral and religious beliefs create culture. One of the organizations that I sometimes study as somebody who's always wanting to level up is I've been looking at Chick-fil-A recently. Some of y'all getting hungry right now. I'm sorry, they're closed on Sunday. (laughs) One of the reasons why they're closed on Sunday is because they value a day of rest. So they said, okay, that's gonna create a culture where we take one day off. Another thing that Chick-fil-A values is hospitality. They're, they're, They're big on hospitality. They really value the customer experience. So they train every employee that when somebody says thank you, you say back, my pleasure, because they want to communicate to the customer that it was their pleasure to serve them. That's a culture thing, amen? I, I remember learning about how the, the original founder of Chick-fil-A, uh, Truett Cathy, said, I want to make sure our bathrooms are always checked once an hour so that they can stay, someone said praise the Lord because we value having a clean bathroom because that's gonna communicate to our people the culture is for them, amen? Everything speaks. What is it saying? We have a culture here at Walk Church that we are shaping, that we are creating, and our values create the culture. If you got all that, say, I got it. it. If you're ready, say ready. ready. All right, let me go ahead and talk to you today about three values at Walk Church that create the culture of our house. The first value is God dependence. That we value God dependence. It's it's who we are as a church family. We believe in God dependence. We live God dependent lives. We've been on this journey over the past six years of trying to define who we are as a church. What are the things that we value? And we realized we're a God dependent church. Sometimes people will be like, yo, you guys pray a lot. <laughs> We're a God-dependent church. You guys, like, can we just have like an ordinary conversation? Why does God always have to get in the middle of it? I don't know, we're God-dependent. Seems like we, we somehow find a way back and lean into God. You know why? We're a God-dependent house. The word dependent, by definition, means completely reliant upon somebody or something. That's a dependent where someone or something is reliant upon somebody or something else in order to survive. Can I tell you, church, we cannot survive detached from God. We are dependent on God. We are dependent not on our own wisdom and own intellect. We lift up the Bible. We stand under the word, amen? We don't stand just on top of it. We, we, we stand underneath it because we're dependent on it, amen? I might say some things in this sermon that you might realize, I don't think I value what this church values. Let me go ahead and save you some time. This might not be the right church for you. I want it to be. We've been praying for this day. We're praying for you. 
But I'll tell you what, if you don't value the things that we value, you're not going to love the culture of this church. Like, I love stories, but I'm not just going to move this out of the way and tell stories. Amen? We, we, we value what God has to say in and through his word, and every word proves true. Every word is important. Every scripture is life in the book, and we value, we're dependent on it. So sometimes we might just stop and go to the word. You might be in a conversation with somebody and say, let's see what God says. Why? Because we're dependent on what God says. We, we find our inner being, the way we move in him. But I don't believe this is just a value for Walk Church. I believe this is thoroughly biblical. Jesus gives this sermon way better than I could in John chapter 15. We'll put it up here on the screen, verses 4 and 5. Jesus says, abide in me. The word abide means to dwell, be attached to, soak up. Abide in me, I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Here's what he's saying. Jesus is using a metaphorical illustration. He's saying this. A branch is dependent on the vine. A branch is not that special outside of being connected to the vine. Jesus says you're very much like that. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Unless you are dependent on him, you'll lack fruit. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears, say this with me, much fruit. Much fruit comes from much abiding. Much abiding happens when you're God-dependent. You might walk through life thinking, I don't really need God. I do the God thing on Sundays. That, that doesn't mean you're God-dependent. That just means you're very casual in your relationship with God. I would say very average in your relationship with God. Jesus says, look, I'm looking for people that are hungry, dependent on me. People that wake up and say, okay, God, I need you today. I think God desires to be needed. But friend, not only do I believe that's true to be true, we need him. <laughs> it's not just that God desires, God wants to make a difference in your life. God says, tag, tag me in. You need me. But oftentimes we don't live dependent on him like we should. Be careful that you're not more dependent on your cup of coffee. Come on, amen than you are on a word from the word. I'm dependent on God. I need God in order to get through this day. No shade to coffee. No, no shade to your partner, your spouse. But no shade to anything else, but everything is far secondary when it comes to dependence. Right? He says, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, everybody ready? You can do, say it with me. Nothing. Don't deceive yourself into thinking, I can do some things. The word is very clear here. Like, go to the original language. Nothing means nothing. That's what it means. I think sometimes we're like, you know what? Like, I need, I need, here's my top 10. I need family. I need money. I need a job. I need Jesus. I need my sports team. I need my phone. Like, he's not in the top 10 list. He is the list. Right? Like, Jesus is not just like, it's me and my co-pilot Jesus. 
Jesus is the plane. He's not just your co-pilot. Right? Like, Jesus is the, the whole thing. Amen? Right? He's not the ten, top ten list. He makes the list for you. If you're God-dependent. Our culture is a culture of dependence. If you struggle with God-dependence, you'll struggle at this church. Don't be scared of it, though. The more God-dependent you'll get, the more happier you'll be. Hear me on this. If you get God-dependent, don't deceive your, don't let the devil deceive you. If I get God-dependent, my life's going to be boring. The more God-dependent you'll get, the more blessed you'll get. Some of y'all are looking at me like, I don't know if it's true. Let me show you, share with you what Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew 5, verse 3. Read it with me. Ready? Set? Go. God blesses those people who depend only on him. They belong to the kingdom of heaven. God says, ooh, I'm looking to bless somebody. God says, I want to bless somebody in this row. Who's dependent on me? God says, ooh, I want to bless somebody in this middle section online. Who's, who's got dependence? Who actually wants me? Who, who needs me in their life? I want to bless somebody in this section. God is looking to bless you. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that mean? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who say, you know what? I'm I'm not going to have my spirit filled up by the things of the world alone. Some of y'all are like, man, my spirit is full of all types of music and movies and social media and cars and shoes and books and my... God's, Jesus is like, man, blessed are those who have a very, they're poor in their spirit because they need me. They, get, they, they, they depend on their spirit to be filled up by me. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Can I just tell you, in heaven, it's going to be all about Jesus. It's going to be filled with Christ. It's not just going to be little chubby babies with bow and arrows <laughs> shooting little dove hearts at you. Like, don't allow the culture to shape the way you see the Bible. Allow the Bible to shape the way you see the culture. Right? That's if you're God-dependent. Like, I'm going to look through this book to see the world in front of me. I'm not going to allow the world to shape how I see this book. Does that make sense? It's a different way of thinking. It's a God-dependent way of thinking. I love how Pastor John Piper says it. He writes, the most dangerous thing in the world is the sin of self-reliance. It's a dangerous way to live, to think, I got this. I don't need help. I don't need God. I can do enough by myself. That's a dangerous mentality. It's a very fleeting mentality. Amen? Come on, like, you need him. God's a big God, amen? Amen? He's a huge God. He's a close, intimate God who we are in very, very need of. I found that the more God-dependent I've gotten, the more smaller I become, and that's a good thing. I'm not that important. That's a good thing. You're not that important. That's a good thing. God is really important. That's a God thing, amen? Lean into the reality that he wants to know you, and you need to know him. You need him. Like, I remember a couple years back, like, especially in, like, the sport, sports community, like, the hustle community, the grind community, people used to say, like, 24-7, 
I don't need to sleep. I'll sleep when I die. That's so dumb. No, you need to sleep. Like, like you're doing too much. God doesn't sleep. You need him. Like, you're a finite. God is infinite. He's so big. He's so good. Depend on him for your move, for your way, for your being, for everything in life. We are a God-dependent church. One of the applications of our value of God-dependence, just one of our applications, is us this year moving to a weekly prayer meeting. I know some of y'all hate when I go this route. But I got to go there. Some are like, don't make me feel bad about not going to the prayer meeting. I'm doing it. And I, and I don't, hey, listen, don't feel condemned because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Don't, right? That's not what I, I'm not trying to beat you up with your lack of prayer life. Let the Holy Spirit do that, you know? Uh, and me too. What I am trying to help you see is that one of the applications of how do you know you're God-dependent? Well, you can test your God-dependence by your prayer life. Prayer is evidence that you need God. If you go through life without a prayer life, it must mean you don't really need God. Prayer is talking to God. Prayer is listening to God. Prayer is drawing near to God. God says, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. That's dependence. Prayer is saying, I cannot do this by myself. I got to go to God. Next time somebody asks you to do something, feel free to say, let me pray about it and mean it. Amen? Why? Why do you got to pray about it? Because I'm dependent upon God. We moved to a weekly prayer meeting. We started our church with a monthly prayer meeting every first Wednesday of the month. We would gather for prayer. We felt like, no, we got to be more dependent than that. We're more hungry than that. We feel like God's leveling us up in prayer, so we moved to every week prayer. And I just want to encourage you, Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m., 8810-8810. People make excuses. Hey, you didn't put the address on the screen. I didn't know where it was. Sorry, I missed it. This is where it's at. It's at our walk office. It's around the corner. Man, it was really far. Man, it's actually around the corner. 8810 South Maryland Park. I couldn't find a parking spot. Yes, you could. We'll park your car for you, whatever you need. Six, man, well, I, I, sorry, that's online. We got the online. Well, what about YouTube? It's on YouTube. What about Facebook? It's on Facebook. We want to make the Wednesday prayer meeting accessible. And here's what I've realized, church. I promise you. We've been doing Wednesday prayer meetings since the start of this year. Every week, haven't missed one. I've, I haven't approached a Wednesday prayer meeting yet where we ran out of things to pray for. What I've found is oftentimes we have too much things to pray for and we're like, ah, we can't stop it. But we gotta cut it, you know, it's a Wednesday night, we're trying to get people back home to their families. There's stuff to pray for, amen? We gotta be God dependent. We have to be, amen? We have to be. I wanna encourage you, pencil it in, calendar it in. Schedule it in. Friend, if you can't be there, it's okay. But if you can't be there because you got, you know what I'm saying, you're like, yeah, it's been a long day. This is usually my time where I have me time. I get it. But friend, get some God time, eh? amen? Get some God time in with you. Get Get some prayer time in. I believe it will transform your life. 
Here's a quote from Charles Spurgeon, then I'll move on, all right? Y'all like, please move on. Here's what, here's what Dr. the Prince of Preachers, the great British revivalist Charles Spurgeon once said. Listen to this, convicted me. He says, the condition of the church may be very accurately gauged by its prayer meetings. So is the prayer meeting a graceometer. And from it, we may judge of the amount of divine working among a people. If God be near a church, it must pray. Watch this. And if he be not there, one of the first tokens of his absence will be slothfulness in prayer. This, this challenged me because Spurgeon says, imagine your church like, a, like a, a speedometer on your car or like the little, uh, the, the little thing that says empty or full, how fast you're going. Charles Spurgeon would show up at churches and be like, let me see how this church is. Show me the prayer meeting. I'll tell you how the church is doing. Say, hey, Spurgeon, how's this church doing? Let, just take me to the prayer meeting. Oh, they don't have a prayer meeting. They're not doing well. <laughs> take, take me to the prayer meeting. Ah, oh, there's only a handful of people here. Spurgeon said, you can, you can measure the condition of the health of a church by their prayer meeting. Sometimes I think on Wednesday nights, man, I think we could do more than this. I'm not trying to condemn anybody. There's no condemnation for those in Christ. I just want to challenge you to, to pencil it in. 6.30 to 7.30. We're trying to get an hour of power. Even online, too. It would change your life. It'll make a difference in your spirit. You'll, here's what I realized. On Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 7.30, I'm forced to pray about things. Sometimes I'll be sitting there thinking, well, I better pray. Guess I'm here. And then I'll start to think, man, I need to pray about this. I need to pray about this person. I need to pray for them. I need to pray for them. I need to pray for you next to me. And God starts to move, amen? Yeah. It's, it's one of the evidences of God dependence which shapes the culture of this church. If you got all that, say, I got it. Let me give you the second core value. God dependence, the second one is authentic community. As we've thought about what makes up the culture of this church, the first one is God dependence. The second one is authentic community. Authenticity, the language is very intentional. The word authentic by definition, let me give you two words, real and genuine. Webster's defines authentic as something that is real and something that is genuine. I want to encourage you, church. Be authentic. Amen? Be real. Be genuine. Can I tell you this? Let me submit this to you here today. I, I, I never want to be an unaware pastor. I want to be aware of the season we're in, the culture we're in, the reality of the day we live in. We live in a day where the majority of people that live in your neighborhood, my neighborhood, when they hear the word church, they think fake. We live in a city that when people think about church, they don't think real. They don't think genuine that this is an uphill battle to plant a church in Las Vegas, in America holistically, because the reputation of church is so far behind. 
And I wanna submit to you today, one of the game changers for us will be authenticity. That the culture of this house is authentic. Now, let me go ahead and say it again. Ooh, I'm gonna step on toes. I already prepared myself for it. Some people aren't gonna come back and I've already dealt with it, all right? If you're not open to authenticity, this is not the church for you. I'm not saying you gotta go zero to 100. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But what I am saying is that the culture of this church is going to be authentic, which will make you at times feel uncomfortable. Amen? One clap, I'm with you, bro. You're an authentic dude. Right? There's gonna be times where you're gonna be like, oh. But this is who we are. We are an authentic community that's been the makeup of our house from the earliest days. Look at the person next to you and say, hey friend. Hey friend. If you know their name, say their name. If you don't know their name, ask them what, what their name is. What's your, what's your name? Get authentic for a second. Now, now, after you said their name, say, be real. Be genuine. Listen to that right there. Come on, right? We're going to hold each other to it. I, I want to encourage you to hold each other to that. Yo, 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 be real. If you don't like it, just say you don't like it. If you're not feeling it, just say, I'm not feeling it. If you're not going to go, just say, I'm not going to go. If you're going to go, actually go. Make your yes, yes. Your no, no. Be authentic. Amen. I love this quote. I love this quote from a, a friend of mine. He's a pastor in the Atlantic area, Atlanta area of a church called Blueprint, Dehati Lewis. He, he said this one time in a session we were in, and I wrote it down. I said, I said that, that's it right there. He said, authenticity is the apologetic of our day. Now, here's what that means. At, at one point in time, the apologetic seemed to be the validity of the scriptures. Is the, here was the apologetic. Let's go to the Bible and let's argue and debate. Is the Bible real? Are the authors legit? Is this the actual inspired, breathed out word of God? That was the apologetic. Show me that the Bible's real. In another period of time, it was the resurrection of Christ. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Prove it. That was the apologetic. Or is the virgin birth, at, was Mary lying? Did she make it up? You know, what, is there an actual legitimacy to Mary's account? All those answers are yes, by the way, in case you were thinking it. But, but listen, we live in a day where people aren't worried about that as much. The apologetic of today, people are like, I think I believe Mary. I think I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I don't believe you. The apologetic of today is the authenticity of the church. It seems that people are open to the word even. People are open to faith, open to church. If there's going to be at least the authenticity there, be more authentic here than you are in your fantasy football chat. Be authentic. Let there be an authenticity to your life. That, that means you're not going to be perfect Welcome to the club. This is not a perfect church. We're a church that's being perfected by the perfect one named Jesus. Amen. So you might as well be authentic. 
What does authentic mean? Be real and genuine. That's gonna be the apologetic. That's gonna be the thing that opens people's eyes to a open door that says, okay, I wanna, I wanna, I'm interested. My, my interest is peaked, perked, because I sense authenticity. I've found that most people can sniff out fake. I just, I was talking to a brother right after the nine o'clock service and he said, man, I'm so glad you spoke to authenticity because that's why I haven't been to church in so long. Because I went to church when I was a kid. I saw the pastor doing some funny stuff and then he was trying to preach and do some, like he wasn't owning it, stuff like that. He said, I'm just, that's not for me. Now, a lot of years later, I'm, I'm, I'm stepping, slowly stepping back in. Oh, authenticity is a breath of fresh air. Right, amen? Here's how authenticity is created, all right? Authenticity will be created where there'll be a culture, a culture of authentic community if we're able to be honest with each other. So if you're gonna plug into Walk Church and be a part of this family, expect somebody to call you out if you're tripping. Expect it. Expect somebody to say something to you. I'm just putting that disclaimer out here. If you are living in sin, if you post a questionable Instagram story, there's probably going to be somebody in this church that will say something to you and be like, yo, I love you. I'm calling you to level up. Why are you calling me? Level up. <laughs> I, I, because I'm going to be authentic with you. Don't let me... Don't, if I got some mustard on my face, tell me. You don't got to blast me. She'd be like, yo, come over here. You got some stuff right there. Here's a napkin. Authentic. Or let's do that for each other. I love reading the book of Proverbs. You guys know the book of Proverbs is full of authenticity. One of the Proverbs that has really challenged me in my walk with the Lord that we use here at our church comes from Proverbs chapter 27. Some of y'all ain't ready for this verse. I'm not even gonna ask you if you're ready. Just, just lean in, all right? It says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Here's why this is so countercultural. This verse, Proverbs 27, verse five, is countercultural. Even in the church, hear me, I'm telling on ourselves, all right? I'm a part of the church. So when I'm talking about the church, I'm talking about me too, okay? Look, Better's op- I've, I've met many of believers that have said, you know, I just didn't want to say anything to you because, you know, I just want to love that person. It's countercultural. The Bible actually says, no, no, if you, if, you, if you hide your love for them and don't tell them, that ain't real love. It's actually better to be honest with somebody than to show hidden love and be like, ah, I just just didn't want to say anything because I figured if, if I said something, you might get mad at me. I, I don't like conflict. I don't want to be, I don't want to offend you. I just want everything to be smooth. You know, everything's great. That's, that's a false love. If somebody's running and headed toward a cliff and you don't say, stop, you're not loving. It, the, the most unloving thing to do, hear me, hear me, church. most unloving thing to do would be to get to eternity and have Jesus say, oh, yo, Pastor Mike, 
It's been fun getting to know you on earth. I can't wait to get to know you even more in eternity and have one of your friends, family, colleagues there with you look at you and be like, how come you never told me? And then you say back, well, it's because, you know, I just want to love you and let you do, you know. Well, thanks a lot now, right? That's not loving. Now here, don't get me wrong. What I'm not saying is that you got to Bible thump people. You'll lose the authenticity that way. It says love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. Love is not self-seeking, right? So in your rebuking of people, don't sin. Let it be seasoned with love still or else you'll sound like a clanging cymbal. Like if you're, if you're calling somebody to rebuke them and you're bringing a pot and pan with you, you're already, your heart is off. But if you're calling to rebuke somebody, setting up a coffee meeting to rebuke somebody, do it with authenticity. Amen? Do it with a, I love you enough. I'm friends with you. I consider you a friend. That's why I want to talk with you about this. And can I just challenge you, Walk Church? I'm almost done. When somebody does that for you, don't get offended. What I found is this. Immediately people get defensive and they try to find something in you because they're insecure about what you're talking to them about. Well, what about you? I, I got my own problems too. I'm, I'm, I'm calling to try to help you level up. Thank you for helping me level up. Can we start to see rebukes as a good thing? This is the culture of Walk Church. I want us to see rebukes happening in a loving, honest, authentic, God-dependent way, and we get excited about it. Like... Hear me, church. Like, listen to me. Some of you are like, I don't know if I should clap or not. This is kind of strange. It's messing up my thinking. It says the wise person gets rebuked and will love you for it. The foolish person will only rage and laugh. Ask, you got to ask, what do you want to be? You want to be wise? You want to be foolish? People sometimes get around me and say, hey, Hayden, love you, <laughs> but I see this in your life. And I really believe this is an area you can get better in. That to me, mm, I'm leveling up. I don't have eyes in the back of my head or on the side of my head. I need that, amen? Can you agree that you need that too? Praise God you're in an authentic community where that's happening and it's not foreign. If you have a culture where nobody ever messes up, nobody will ever want to say, I messed up. Does that make sense? If you, if you exist in a culture that is a fake community, you'll never want to be authentic. I mean, I've had prayer meetings where people cuss in the prayer. <laughs> hey, you want to close this out in prayer? Sure. Start cussing, not even recognizing it. I got one eye open like, what? It's a person's way of expressing their praise, expressing. I, and here's what I'm thinking. Look. This is authentic. I don't need you to say, Heavenly Fathereth, Lord. That's not how you talk. I'll be like interrupting the prayer. Like, you, you don't talk like that. You don't need to switch up in front of God. He already knows. He knows your words before you even pray them. Now, here's what I also know. I might come back around and say, hey, 
I don't think you were aware of it, but you slipped a couple cuss words out in that prayer. God's going to work on you in your language. He is. You, might, you don't have to have it figured out today. I don't even expect you to. I expect the Holy Spirit to make you more holy over time. One day you might actually be cognitive of something like that and you'll grow. I once heard this story that, that blessed me. It was about um, a church where there was a guy that was on the media team, the sound team, and after one of the services, he was outside smoking a cigarette in front of the church. And somebody ran up to the pastor and said, Pastor, 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 did you see this person outside smoking a cigarette? And the pastor said, you should have seen him before this. You should have seen what he used to smoke. He's growing. He might not be where you're at today, but don't compare yourself. You be authentic. You be you. You be genuine. You be real. We're all on this journey growing together. I'm God dependent. Be God dependent. I got to be authentic. I'm a fellow struggler. You're a fellow struggler. Let's show each other where the bread is. Let's level up together. I might be on a different level than you. That doesn't make me better or worse. You might be on a different level than me. Help bring me up with you. Nobody, nobody grows in their leveling without somebody saying, here's where you need to get better. If you don't think you need to get better in any area, you're losing. You're going back. You're leveling down. You're leveling down. Let's level up. Amen. Look, listen to the rest of this. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. When I read this verse, you know who I thought of? Judas. Judas, who's on team Jesus, right? He's one of the 12 disciples. He's walking with Jesus faithfully. He's even part of the team. Jesus trusted Judas with the funds. That's a big deal. Jesus was like, you carry the money back, Judas. Not that Jesus didn't know, wasn't aware. I think Jesus, Jesus was even move, making a point. He loves sinners. He gives people a chance. Right? And here's Judas giving him a kiss at the same time betraying him. I'll even say this. The people that are in your circle that are all so praiseworthy of you and never say anything negative to you, you better keep an eye on them. People that love to give you kisses and be close, be like, man, you're so great, you're so great. You know the ones you can trust? This is a scary word right here, wounds. You ever met somebody who's wounded? That's deep. Hurts. It's the friends that can even wound you because they love you that you can trust. The person who just gives you kisses and who's just there for the good time but not a long time, I don't know if I can trust you like that. I don't know if I want you in the trenches with me in this war zone. I need somebody to be honest with me. If somebody's behind me, tell me. We're in the trenches, amen? If you're going through a lustful battle, don't go through it alone. Talk, be like, yo, I got, I'm, I'm under attack. Pray with me. Come pull me out. <laughs> Help me. I, I am my brother's keeper, amen? Here's what I know. I can only keep that for so many people. I need, a, I need an army with me, an authentic community. I, I, I'm, 
I'm calling that out of you. So I expect there to be tough conversations at church. I, I expect to be at a charge group and somebody say something that makes you go, ooh, dang, that's deep. But if you don't do that, the person that's at the group will never do that. You creating space with honesty is contagious. And sometimes you might be at a charge group, you might have a whole lesson to be prepared, you might be so ready to teach it, and God might take the group in a different direction because you're authentic. And you're okay with that. And there's tears, and there's pain, and there's wounds, and there's freedom, amen? I gotta close this sermon up. I love this. Let me go ahead and move into the last point. Moving into the last point. Rashawn, you can even play me out of this pulpit, all right? Let me give you the last point. Life-giving atmosphere. All right, life-giving atmosphere. The third value of Walk Church is life-giving atmosphere. We love the idea of being life-giving. One other reputation that the church holds is not only fake, but life-taking. And let me remind you, you're the church. So you gotta ask yourself, am I more life-taking or life-giving? Do you know who the ultimate life-giver is? Isn't he? Wherever Jesus goes, he gives life. Jesus in John 14, 6 says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Jesus says, I'm the life giver. I bring people back to life. I resurrect sinners from the grave and put life in them. We value here at Walk Church atmospheres where life exists, where life can happen. I'll give it to you in a statement. Here's a reality statement. We value creating atmospheres where Jesus can and will change lives. So we're big on atmosphere. Let me just say that, church. Whether it's in a cafeteria at a middle school, like some people be like, man, you guys meet in a middle school cafeteria? They start to think of smells and just kids running around. They're like, and here's what I say. No, 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 but it's life-giving. But, but you'll feel life there. You mean at a middle school, like the kids are in class? Yeah, but there's life there because it's one of our values. So we have a culture that's life-giving. So everything is intentional, church. I wanna say that to you. We're not making decisions very random and very unaware. The decisions we make are intentional. Like, I've heard different complaints over the years. Like, for example, why do you have to have a big TV screen on the stage with you? And here's what I'll say. Because my sister in the front row is able to read the lyrics to the songs. And it's life-giving. Amen? Because I'm able to show a verse on the screen, and sometimes people don't have Bibles and know where to flip them, but they're able to read it right there. That's life-giving. Amen? Why do you need to have a stage? Well, because I can see people, and they can see me, and hear the word. Why do you need microphones? Jesus didn't have a microphone. Oh. Well, because people can hear the word then. Why, are you, why is there cameras here? Well, because somebody's watching online right now. It's life-giving for them, amen? Yeah. Man, the church is like, what are you, a fashion company? Why are you bringing out merch? I, I want to represent what I, I'm a walking billboard. I want to represent the church I'm a part of. I want to represent Christ. I want to represent freedom on my actual outfit. You know what I'm saying? That's why. It's life-giving. And guess what? You don't even have to go here. Like, find a church that doesn't do merch. 
outside. No shade. Why does the church do prayer meetings? We're God dependent. Find a church that doesn't do prayer meetings. It's okay. It's all right. Why, you, why do we talk about money every weekend? Because we're a generous church. Talk about giving. We, we do. I had to realize, oh, snap, it's part of our culture. Let's go there. We, we love atmospheres where Jesus can step in and, and change lives. So whether that's here at a middle school, whether that's in your living room, whether that's at a Starbucks, we, we love creating an atmosphere where life exists and where the life giver can step in in a non-distracted environment and bring life into the room, amen? Wherever Jesus is, he can bring life. But what we found is, in trying to study this thing, we found that people learn best when they're distraction-free. People tend to listen. Jesus said, if you got ears, hear. If you got eyes, look. People, People tend to listen and see when they're less distracted by everything else. If place is really dirty, you might be distracted by the dirtiness. If people are kind of rude, you might be distracted by rudeness. If you can't see and you don't know the songs, you might not sing. Does that make sense? So we're even trying to think for you, what would be life-giving for you? You might even have an idea. You know what would be life-giving for our church? If we did this. We'll consider it. It's part of our culture. Amen? So the three things today, recap. The three things today that make up the culture of Walk Church. We're going to go to the next three next week. The three things today that make up the culture of our church is one, we're a God-dependent church. Two, we're an authentic community. Three, we value life-giving atmospheres. If you got all that, say, I got it. God, thank you so much, Lord. We just want to pray right now. Thank you that we got better today. Thank you that we learned today. God, thank you that you're shaping a church, a people, a culture, that's real and genuine. Thank you that Jesus, you're real and genuine. God, you're real genuine. (laughs) You're so good. You're patient, you're kind, you're loving. You even call us out. Your Holy Spirit convicts us. We need you, Lord. Would you pray that with me? Just say, Lord, we need you. Every hour every minute every second I need you today if you're in this room or you're watching online right now and you don't have a personal real right relationship with Jesus right now call upon his name right now just say Lord I want to invite you to pray this with me especially if this is your first time receiving Christ just say Lord I'm ready take me all my sin all my shame my past my present my future I give to you forgive me of my sins I receive you as my Lord as my Savior you died for me you rose for me you're coming again fill me with your spirit I'm ready to walk in Jesus name Amen. Amen. Come on, somebody.